Hey, this is Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series brought to you by Yesod Blocks. If you're enjoying this content, you can visit us at yesodblocks.com where we have a lot more content like this, just far more expansive. All the big picture concepts are all over there. Uh, the Kabbalah basic series, the Tefillah beginning series, these are things which basically put all of the Torah concepts that we are exploring here in the Halacha and all the concepts you might encounter in the Gemara and the Chumash, all over the different texts that we're constantly learning as we progress through the process of learning Torah. So all those concepts are found and integrated, properly connected uh, into their holistic context in those series. That's what we have going on at ASOblocks.com. It's the whole goal of this platform and this particular series as well to sort of show how all of the Halacha, all of the Gemara, all of the Torah that we learn that is popular, that is well-known, uh, how it all fits together to really give you access to how to turn it on and properly use it, how to get access to Hashem in a way that is really... Um, uh, alive and really tangible and really constant as opposed to just this ongoing saga of trying to and trying to and aspiring to and hoping to and one day imagining that maybe I'll be able to be like that instead of actually achieving that and learning the mechanics of how all that works so you can actually just do it almost like a machine where if you know what to put in, what inputs you need to use, uh, then instead of kind of doing the same thing that we've been doing for so long in our lives, uh, repeating the same behaviors, but not getting any further, there's a way to upgrade everything that we're doing here. So that is yesoblocks.com. You can subscribe there and support what we're doing and get access to all that Torah. We are proceeding through the halachos of uh, Siman Nun Gimel, section 53. This section, as I mentioned in the last few episodes, is about the kind of person you are supposed to have as the leader, the chazan, the visionary, the director of the tefillah groups that we call the minion. Uh, and basically, that's supposed to be 10 men that are each bringing a certain uh, set of quantities uh, of different attributes into the group. And so that allows there to be kind of like a complementary feeding or 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 drawing drawing amounts from each other's attributes. In other words, if I have a certain amount of chesed and you have a certain amount of gevura and another person has a certain amount of, of chachma, so we can each uh, kind of bring our requisite amounts of each of those midos, each of those uh, vessels to the table in the group and thus create like this, uh, this interlocked and complementary group. And so we need 10 of those to create the proper uh, amount of everything. And then everybody else who wants to join in on top of that and feed off of that as well, that completed structure, that's, you know, that's what we have. Uh, there could be a hundred people in a minion or a thousand, and there could be men and women. And because everybody's just drawing strength or drawing clarity from that core uh, group of those different attributes. Of course, these things are often not taught, not discussed, so all the concepts of the Sfirot that are literally the underpinnings of the concept of Tefillah B'Tzibor, uh, doing Tefillah in a group, so they're almost never accessed, and so that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's why uh, instead there's a lot of discussion about, well, men versus women in, in, a, in a minion, how do we do it, and, you know, why can't women be allowed? It's, is that, that's because they're second-class citizens or something like that. It's completely missing the point. The structure of male and female is very different. The female structure in the Torah's model is much more complete than the male structure. The male structure is far more fragmented, uh, and so because of that problem, the male structure is required in order to actually begin to undo the damage that happened in the story of the Garden of Eden with the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, the distortions that are created there. Uh, and so in, those distortions are far more heavy and thick in the male model. And so they're the ones who have to start the process of repairing that. And then the females can come and partake in that process as well. But it's not, it's not really their issue. It's a kind of a different kind of problem. So there's a lot more to say about that, but that's basically what we've been exploring. We're up to Halacha Yud Gimel, the 13th Halacha in Siman Nun Gimel, section 53. And here the halacha says pocheach. It gives us a term. It doesn't define the term right off the bat, meaning the, the term is just thrown out as if we already know it, but he explains what it means. A person who is a pocheach. What does that mean? This is a person whose 
clothing is torn. Uzra'osav Megulim, and his arms are uncovered. Lo he should not lead the group as the leading visionary person of the uh, of the Tfila B'tzibor grouping. So let's just see what it says here in the Mishnah Bura. Zro'otav, his arms should, should uh, his arms are uncovered. He put, he throws in also vegam k'tefav. Also his shoulders are uncovered. In other words, he's wearing like a tank top or something. He should not go down lifneyateva to be the shliach tzibur. Uh, he's also not supposed to be the one who reads from the Torah for the group, which is another part of the tefillah b'tzibur activity. There's a phase every Monday, Thursday, and on Shabbos where the person where somebody will read from the Torah to the entire group. So somebody who is a pocheach who has these characteristics, they're dressed in this way. They're not supposed to read from the Torah for the group or lead the group in tefillah. So, of course, the question here is, why is that? And how does that work? What are the underlying mechanics of this problem? And why can't somebody who is dressed in this way uh, actually be the leader? So let's just dig into that for a second. If you recall from previous episodes, so there is a structure to how we're designed. We're basically these intangible, invisible, endless, absolutely undefinable and immortal selves that we call the neshama. That is your consciousness. That is the you that looks out through your eyes. And then that manifests through a series of layers, which is the, the what we call also the olamot, the various stages through which that self that you are is translated into the physical context in some kind of measurable way. So basically your self is translated through the layer of perceptions and the layer of thought and then the layer of emotions and then the layer of behaviors, uh, your physiology, the ultimate final physical manifestation, the packaging of you into the world. So each of those layers, uh, they work together as part of one seamless whole, a, a total spectrum that we call the human being that we call you, that's the, that is what the Adam is. It's basically this total unit of the self and, and all these adjoining vessels that are all interconnected in a very seamless way to ultimately allow for you, the self, to manifest into the world. So that is normally observed as like one total system, and that system is also known as the Tzalem Elohim because it directly mirrors how Hashem manifests all of reality and manifests himself sometimes as a character in reality. So we're designed in the same microcosmic way that is, that is a, a mirroring of that larger pattern to existence. So that is the that's that's the objective structure of it. But because of the story of the Eitzadas Tovara, the tree of knowledge of, of the tree of perceptual knowledge, we'll call it of subjective the tree of subjective no perceptual knowledge of subjective good and evil. So basically, now we all have this capacity to evaluate the world through whatever it is that we are interested in, whatever our habits dictate, whatever our preferences dictate, instead of looking at the world as what it is, we kind of insert our own subjective preferential perspectives uh, into the the system that we use to observe reality. And so we don't observe it through a clear lens, we observe it through that particular and that particular uh, distorted lens that we install. And that, and that lens is installed over many, many different phases, and there's many different parts of that lens. And, and so it's basically the way you observe your parents, the way you observe yourself, the way you observe your spouse, your friends, your your job, all the things that, that we interact with, with where we have emotional, uh, emo- emotional investment, emotional intensity, these all reflect how we're seeing things. If you want to get an idea of the way that you're perceiving something or someone, look at your emotional state regarding them, and you'll, you'll begin to get an idea of what you really think about them. You might say, no, I respect that person, but inside you feel resentment or you feel uh, you feel anger towards them because, in fact, you don't respect them. You actually view them perceptually as somebody who is not deserving of their status or of their situation. or And so that's your perception, which then gives rise to those feelings, and you can track back 
uh, through your feelings to that perception and then figure out is that perception that, I, first of all, what is the perception that I'm having? And second of all, uh, is that perception reflective of reality or is that just me in my own head developing distorted perceptions because of my own preferences because I want what they have, let's say. That's a classic example. You want what somebody else has, then you'll allow yourself to develop perceptions of them not deserving what they have and that will then lead to emotional dissatisfaction with them, which is really just the meaning of the word jealousy. So your underlying perception that what they have, they should not have it. Uh, so that uh, that is in conflict with reality, which which reality clearly says, but they do have it. And if they have it, that means that Hashem wants them to have it, at least for right now. So that's, uh, that's something which you're arguing with reality, trying to install uh, or overlay your own preference on top of what reality is currently saying. So that's the 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 stack or the layering the structure of, of how we work combined with the distorted lenses that we can install to actually begin to look at reality through our own preferences and what that then leads to is that you can actually instead of seeing another person in the objective objective clarity of the totality of the stack of how they are manifest right like the, all those things i just mentioned like the the person manifests through their their perceptions and their and their thoughts and their emotions and their behaviors and seeing them in the in their totality and trying to be what you are in your totality based on objective facts about yourself instead of living through a a distorted subjective set of ideas about yourself and other people so when you when you uh, when you approach the world in that way it means that now what you're doing is you're, you have the capacity to take some aspect of the other person and then blow that up in your perception and over fixate on that that's what lashon hara does by the way uh, so and what you're doing basically is you're just saying okay well here's the totality of their character but I want to just focus on this one thing right now and I'm going to make that everything and I'm going to then build a whole perception around them that's fixated on that thing and then I'm going to react to that thing and that's what we do we get upset either fixated on somebody in a certain way uh, we judge people in certain ways where we're taking some aspect of their being and saying this is their deal so that's the that's the result of the Eitz Hadas. And so this halacha is a direct outgrowth of that problem. Because what, what the, there's one specific example of this type of issue, which is if we just take, if we just look at, let, let, let's pick a person, let's, let's look at, across the room at the person that we're imagining in our heads, like there's a person over there across the way, and they have all these layers. There's the self, the neshama, there's the world of perceptions that they're using to evaluate the world, which you can try to get an, an idea of those perceptions if you want. There's their thoughts, the kinds of thoughts they tend to have. There's their emotional habits, emotional states, and then there's their their practical behavior. Um, and so what you what you and then there, and there's part of their practical behavior is also their physiology. So one of the aspects of their physiology is their physical body, and their physical body is something which is um, which has a lot of implications as a kind of tool in the world. It has sexual implications. It has general physical implications in terms of size and ability to do work and shape. And so these are all things that we evaluate. Uh, we compare our own bodies to other people's bodies. We assess whether our body is in shape. Is it strong enough? Is it is it sexually attractive? Uh, is it generally attractive? Is our body something which is being used as a vessel to show that we are someone special? Or is our body something which is getting in the way of that and is actually um, making us look like we're not so special? And that's really what the halacha is about. So what happens in this halacha is you have a person who is dressed in a way that is that is very body revealing, not necessarily in a sexual way, but in a general way. That's already that 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 is already something that can create and does create distortions. So when you see a person who is dressed in a way that is body revealing, so what it does is it tends to draw our perceptual awareness of them away from the totality of who they are and towards it emphasizes some aspect, and often that has to do with our own habits, uh, some aspect 
of their phys- of their physical appearance. And so when that what, what, what's going on is like the rest of them, the neshama, the self, the, the, the perceptions that they use, their emotional dynamics, their thoughts, all those things start to fade into the background a little bit, and the body becomes much more prominently featured in our awareness, in our consciousness. And this is the concept of tzniut, which is basically often translated as modesty. Tzniut really means that you're covering up your body in order to create balance, not covering it to hide it, not to make it like, oh, I don't want anybody to see my body at all, but that there shouldn't be so much body manifest that it actually starts to block out the rest of myself such that people can't really relate to the totality of who I am uh, because of the body dynamic that is that is currently present. So that's the idea of tzniut in general. It's, that it's, it's, to, it's to bring all the different parts into harmony so that way there's not one that is more prominent, which in, in, in the physical sense, that's the physical body. You can also be not sanua, you can be um, what people would translate as immodest uh, in terms of other areas. Like let's say you're a very funny person, so you make a lot of jokes. If you go to a, 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 a you know, Shabbos meal or a party or something, and you're just making a million jokes and everybody's laughing at you, that draws everybody's attention to that one attribute of you. And then what that can lead to is that the rest of who you are can get blocked out and lost, and then people will only see you through that lens. That creates a distorted awareness of who you are. So that's also a problem, a mute imbalance. So the idea of, of having our bodies properly clothed is to essentially we cover our bodies to allow the rest of us to be seen in addition to our bodies. When we uncover our bodies, it creates an emphasizing of our body dynamic in a way that then causes the rest of what we are to actually be pushed into the background somewhat, and that creates distortion. So in this example, it's exactly what we have here. In fact, often people think that issues of tznyut only apply to women, uh, to females. And the reason is because, well, because the female body is very attractive to, to, to men. And so females have to cover their body to create this kind of balance. Uh, often it's taught, obviously, in a very distorted way that it's like, well, females need to cover their bodies because otherwise men are going to be attracted to them. That's not true. Females uh, do not have to cover their bodies, so males don't have to be attracted to them. Um, the the idea of, ma- like, males are attracted to females no matter how covered their bodies are. That's a basic fact of life in, in its current form with the bodies that we have right now. So the issue of females covering their bodies is females are supposed to cover their bodies enough so that way it creates a situation in which the body is, a, is an accurate vessel for the rest of the female person's uh, self, the soul, the, the thoughts, the emotions, the perceptions, all those things have to be in synchrony with the body, which is why in halacha, in Torah halacha, so a woman covering her body, she's not, it's, not, it's not supposed to be like uh, what we have in, in other cultures, in Arab culture, where people, uh, the idea is, well, if the body is, is bad, uh, the sexual nature of the, of the female body is bad, so therefore we have to cover it as much as possible. Let's just, so let's just you know, put it inside of a, a tent, like a, a burqa, and then we just cover it entirely, and then there's no, there's no remnant of the female body at all. That is not, uh, that is not what the Torah des- des- describes and, and requires in any way, because the Torah does not say the female body is just bad and therefore it should be covered. And, therefore, and then there are people who like, you know, go all the way with that. And there are people who are more lenient with that. The Torah says the female body should be covered enough that, that it no longer outshines the rest of the attributes of the person. Because what we want is we want to be aware of somebody's body and their emotions and their thoughts and their perceptions and their self, ultimately the neshama, shining through all those things. We want to have awareness of all of that in a balanced and synchronous way. That's true also for men. There's halachos of tzniut for men as well in exactly the same way. There are different kinds of halachot because the male body is somewhat different from the female body. So there's different kinds of coverings. But the bottom line is that they're supposed to be... Uh, 
full covering of the male body, just like the female body, to reduce this problem uh, in terms of the body being outshining of the rest of the attributes. So that's really the underlying issue, which is why it's really a balancing game. You'll, if, you, if you're familiar with any of these halachos, you'll, you'll probably already know there are different teachers who say things like, well, um, if, you're a, if, you're, if you have a female body, so the Torah does not require you to make yourself ugly, you're supposed to make yourself beautiful, um, just that you should, but you're supposed to cover your body a certain amount. Like, well, why would that be? The reason is because the body is not supposed to be blocked out entirely. It's one of the layers of our being. It's just that it's not supposed to outshine everything else and then make it that we can only see the body and not the rest of you. So we cover the body enough to accomplish that while still emphasizing the body and its beauty to make sure that it is also an accurate and synchronous component of the overall structure. And so this particular halacha works within that framework and basically says, okay, if you are a person who is leading the group, so we don't want a situation in which the leader of the group is distorting people's perceptions towards body consciousness and away from the other attributes because if the whole idea of the group setting is that we each come to the table uh, with various attributes and we now want to draw from the group to so that we can actually try to realign ourselves which is what tefillah is we're trying to basically get all of our 10 attributes to realign with Hashem's version of those attributes so that we're the fullest uh, you know in- integrated version of who we can be in terms of our various Manifest, manifesting tools. So we want to get our thoughts in alignment with Hashem. We want to get our perceptions in alignment with reality. We want to get our emotions in alignment with reality. We want to get our behaviors. And the, the, and within all those different structures, there's basically 10 different components. So we want to get all those in alignment. If you have a person who's run, who's leading that process, leading the group, and he has a set of uh, a, a setup that is distorting, it's going to interfere with that process. So that's what the halakhi is saying. Somebody whose clothing is, 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 um, is torn in this way, so, and his arms are, are revealed, and the way the Mishnah writes it, it's a gnai. It's basically, it's undignified. What does that mean that it's undignified? Going to our Tzni'ud example a second ago, when a person wears clothing that is more physically revealing, why is that undignified? Well, it's undignified because the point of the, when we, when we say the body is dignified, like just to define what, is it, what does it mean to be dignified? But for the body to be a dignifying presence, it has to be both visible and, and accessible in terms of its intrinsic beauty on that as, just within that one aspect, right? The body itself has beauty. But we want that beauty to then be a, a conduit for the other beauties that are embedded inside of the self that are the, the other layers, the thoughts that people have, the perceptions, the emotions, all the inner, the, the neshama, all the inner beauty that is within the person. We want that to also shine out and be in, encased and basically um, borne by, carried by the body. So when the body is is not in sync with that, that's the definition of undignified because now the things that are inside are being blocked out. So when you go to like a wedding and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, that's called undignified because now the 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 inner um, profoundness of what you are, which is which is sp- supposed to be shining out more strongly during a wedding, let's say, so that can be that can be lost when a person wears clothing like that. So not just because you don't fit in, but also because the clothing is inherently uh, making a higher a heightened awareness of your externalities, your body itself, and thus blocking out all the deep connective dynamics that are within that are what are usually activated in our consciousness during a wedding because that's what a wedding is about a deep connection so that, that that's the definition of undignified and here that's what the mission brewer is talking about and the shulchan Aruch, that a person who's dressed this way should not be the leader of the group because they are now creating this distortion in the uh in the process of the tefillah b'tzibur so that's the halacha hopefully that was clarifying that you enjoyed that thanks again for listening and for joining us and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode